We've had massive amounts of little guys buying. They bought the COVID dip. They bought this two-month bottom. They're like little geniuses. The hodlers are out outdoing the so-called whale trader conspiracy. The little guys are really nailing it. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? I'm pretty excited myself this morning. I'm about to go and catch a flight to Ireland to go and see my dad. Due to COVID, I haven't been able to see him in nearly two years, which is it just feels insane. But now we're back flying. I'm heading over there to go and catch up with the big guy and have a beer with him, see how he is. It's been a long time coming. And I know many of you have been stuck in your own countries, unable to fly, unable to see families too. So hopefully you will all be able to get out there and see your families. I can't wait to see him. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and I've got my update with Willy Woo right now. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. And today we kick off with Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And if you've not been doing that, it's something you really should be considering. And with Ledger, I have been a customer of theirs since early 2017. And the Nano S I bought back then, I'm still using that bad boy now. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your Nano S. And also, if you're an Android user, you can connect that to your Nano S and manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, we have Gemini, the only place I am using for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I have not sold a single sat through Gemini because we're in a bull market. I ain't selling that shit. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I am yet to see a better or easier interface for doing this. With their streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, and that is all through one clear, attractive interface. Now, if you want to find out more, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Next up, we have Revolut. Now, as many long-term listeners know, my bank of 25 years, Lloyd's TSB, they closed down all of my accounts and they clearly don't like Bitcoin. And that's when Revolut reached out to me. They said, Pete, we like Bitcoin. We'll support you. Come and try us out. So I did. I signed up. I moved my entire Lloyd's account to Revolut. It took about two hours and it could not have been easier. And they are offering you $20 or £20 if you sign up for a Revolut account and complete three card transactions. Now, it only takes a few minutes to set up and you can create a card and add it to Apple Pay immediately and get that cash in your pocket. But you know what I would do? I'd convert that cash straight to Bitcoin. Now, this is a new relationship and I'm working with the Revolut team to help them build a bank which is Bitcoin friendly. There is a lot to navigate, but we have got this. Now, if you want to find out more, please do head over to revolut.com forward slash WBD. That is R-E-V-O-L-U-T dot com forward slash WBD. And you have to use that URL to be able to claim the bonus. Also, we have BlockFi, who are pleased to announce they have launched their BlockFi Visa Rewards Signature Card. Now, if you're in the US and you own or you're interested in owning Bitcoin and you want to stack more sats, then the BlockFi Rewards credit card provides the easiest way for you to earn more Bitcoin because you get 1.5% Bitcoin back on every card purchase and there is no annual fee. But not only that, 
you can earn 3.5% back in Bitcoin during your first three months of card ownership, and everything you spend over $50,000 will earn you 2% back in Bitcoin. Now, if you're interested in checking this out and you want to find out more, please head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Okay, so on to the show today, and we have Willie Wu back for his update, and this one's going to be it's going to be pretty juicy. Now, we've had a pretty crazy couple of months, and after breaking below the bottom of the range that we've been sat in for a few months, Twitter was going crazy. People were calling for 20k Bitcoin and screaming, sell, sell, sell. And as someone who's been Bitcoin for a little while now, I can tell you, more often than not, that is the best sign to start sacking sats. And I did. I went long. I bought some more Bitcoin. About 32k, I think I got in. And what started as a short move that took us back above 30k quickly turned into a massive short squeeze. And in just four days, we went from 29k to 40k. And on Binance Futures, it even went all the way up to 48k. Shorters got wrecked. And we are now sat at 40k, another key level. So obviously, there was a lot to go through with Willy Woo. And he breaks down this monster move that we've just seen and what the on chain data is telling us. And it is bullish. Now, as ever, if you've got any questions, you want to reach out to me, you can jump into my Telegram group or you can drop me an email. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Anyway, over to the man, over to Willy Woo. Hope you enjoy this one. Willy, man, how are you doing? Good. Good to, good to, good, good to hear you, Peter. Good to have you with yeah. us. Yes, man, and you too. How's, yeah. how's fatherhood? Oh, you know, not much sleep. Um, I'm up all manner of random hours. Um, I guess mm-hmm. that's the norm, but probably doesn't um, impact me as much as um, Mama because she 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 actually sleeps at night normally before the baby, whereas you know trading hours has me up all nights sometimes. So it's it's a little bit um, more comfortable for me. But yeah, it's a it's a lovely experience. Those babies are so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the human species would be doomed if these babies were like not cute. <laughs> are you like Sutler with a baby under your arm trading? <laughs> Doesn't work. She demands one hundred percent attention. You know, I look at the trading screen. She'll immediately cry. <laughs> look back down. She's quiet again. <laughs> well, listen, man. After a, a rough couple of months, things are looking a little bit more bright. Now we got our squeeze that you predicted, and it's looking pretty good. Yeah, finally, it was like, I mean, it was getting pretty rough out there on Twitter land. It was like, I think Willie's lost his mind. This thing's going to twenty thousand. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty strong squeeze we experienced in the last week. Um, Being <laughs> a sight to behold, really. Um, well, listen, I saw the people calling for twenty k and. The, the comments on YouTube saying it's all nonsense, yada, yada. And uh, that's when I started to get a bit more bullish because it kind of reminded me of that time when people were calling for, I think, like 1800 or something uh, when uh, I think it was Tone was maybe calling for it and Leia had a bet. Uh, so oh, we started yeah. to feel I – was, I was looking at the volume and the volume was pretty low. We were struggling to get under and stand to 30K – uh, so I was like, mm, this film's for me, it felt pretty bullish. I actually went out and uh, bought more Bitcoin. I was thinking 30, 30 feels like a base. Yeah, that was perfect. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember the uh, that, that, that uh, 1800 call too. It was like you run with all the PIMA bills were going bearish, bearish, bearish. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's it is a funny thing, eh? Because this thing was going sideways downish for two months, and um, structurally, you know, if you look at the fundamentals on chain, it was really a um, long running accumulation bottom. Um, yet sometimes it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes price doesn't reflect. Um, what's fundamentally happening? Happening. So, um, like, it just went grinding down. So everyone was fooled by price action. I remember Peter Brandt was actually he was quite bearish too, and you know he master technical trader for for decades. And he said um, in one tweet, um, "This is going to be a real test between um, on chain, which is kind of new, and technical analysis, because all the technicals were." horrible you know i looked at the technicals and they, they looked you know just from the price action it was like scary you know um but yeah it was very much an accumulation um we've had two months of flows moving um not only off the exchange you could see it but not as strong more that the coins were moving to long-term investors and they were mopping it up and we had just you know mega mega amounts of little guys um by the gazillions um very unprecedented number of small people stacking um and i think they were the ones that were registering as long-term holders because you know when when people come in and buy and they don't register a step a sell or coins leaving their wallet um they're immediately considered a um what glass no called illiquid essentially um a buyer and the history is just of buying so we saw a lot of the stacking, um, and I've started. I've got some new charts actually that I'll, I'll probably publish a little bit later, showing just these little guys stacking, um, and they really tell a story of um, the bull market. So, yeah, structurally we've been in a bull market all along, even though price has been so far down. And I was like, you know, this is one of the few circumstances where the market is not only wrong, but um, ridiculously wrong like the price really um the fundamentals right now are no different from when we're in 50 60 000. um so the price has been <clears throat> i think just artificially forced down by by bearish traders um and like when we had that massive plummet on the elon musk and the china fud um a lot of you know a lot of coins that were being sold off by whales, ended up um, on exchanges. So yeah, I read that as uh, the speculation um, kind of players, the speculative coins um, went up. Um, so traders had a lot of um, ammo, you know, they had a lot of those coins, they immediately absorbed it because they ended up on exchanges. And um, it's been two months of them selling down um, and those coins being mopped up. And, you know, last week saw the end of that. So um, no more coins. Uh, well, the supply is running short on 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 the exchanges, so um, price squeezed. Um, and you know, interestingly, it, it it climbed to something like the mid 30s. It climbed about five thousand um, dollars before we actually got the squeeze. You know, it looked like a squeeze, but it wasn't till um, yeah, I can't remember the exact. I don't have the number right in front of me, but. Um, it just it rocketed. I mean, it just twenty sixth. Yeah, of July Sunday twenty sixth is when it happened. Uh, I mean, I was it was, it was morning for me, and I was like, I just got an up, and I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. And I was like, 
I slept on. I slept on a few orders right there in real time while it was running up, and this thing just kept running up thousands. I'd never done a trade where I opened and closed it in like 180 seconds and um, seen the gain at that that kind of rate before. Um, it was kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I went to I was pretty bullish on that last trying to push under 30k and it wouldn't go and we saw that kind of gradual climb back up to like early low 30s and i was like no i think we're good now i think that's it because i always have in my head willie i always have in my head that over time we have a bigger distribution of coins into long-term hodlers i'm always meeting more people holding more we know of more companies holding more so the supply now must be the available supply for traders now must be lower than four years ago so we naturally must hit a prior highest point the the supply and demand uh, uh fundamentals are in play and I, so i kept I, I was actually pretty bullish and i accumulated some more uh at around 32 and a half uh, it felt like a good spot but i went to bed and i woke up and i got a message from my producer producer saying 40k i was like what <laughs> i uh i was like jesus what happened last night but it but it feels strong it feels strong and you know, I stand, yeah. you know, I'm going to quote you, quote you, man, fundamentals always prevail. And it's quite interesting because you said about the TA traders. I've noticed some of the TA traders like kind of poking at the at the on-chain analysts. I've, been, I've noticed a bit of that. So I, it, it did make me laugh. But anyway, listen, you, you still think we're at a discount, right? You think we should be trading about, what was it, 50,200? So we're... Bitcoin's at a twenty percent discount. Now, like, how do you calculate this? Because people will read that and go, "Yeah, but where do you? How do you come up with that price?" Um, well, this this one currently, we're if I've to look at the level of supply shock that we've got in the system, like, and um, you know, supply shock is just this word, but um, you can measure that quantitatively. So, you know, you you look across blockchain, grab all the you know, cluster all the wallets and then determine all the individuals by forensically analyzing them. And then you go, uh, okay, who are the guys that hodl? Who are the guys that are traders and speculative? And then you run a ratio of how many coins. Um, supply shock is essentially the, um, the amount of supply of Bitcoin that you can get versus the supply that you can't get. And so one view of supply shock is, how many coins do the speculators have? Because you probably can get the coins off the speculators because they buy and sell, but you won't be able to get the coins off the the hodlers. You know, the Michael Saylors of this world, he ain't selling, right? So it's simply a ratio of um, those coins you can't get to the coins you can get. It's, I flipped it so that um, visually um, it tracks price. Actually, it tracks price very, very closely, um, except this last two months where supply shock's been ramping up and, pro- and price is going down, which we call that, you know, classic divergence. And uh, it's very, very seldom you see this at that. Well, I've never seen one at that scale before in the 12-year on-chain history of Bitcoin. We had one um, October last year, um, and that resolved in a squeeze, right? It squeezed from 10,000 to 60. <laughs> um <laughs> and so the supply shock now is at the same level as where we were when we were range bound in the 50, 60,000. So um, all we need is really 
um, the, the the sentiment of um, traders who really sh- determine the short-term pricing of Bitcoin to switch bullish to the same level of bullish FOMO that you saw, um, you know, pre-May, April first quarter type zone where they they started to price a premium um, into Bitcoin above, you know, the fundamentals. Normally you see the price above the fundamentals, um, you know, in a bull market and then it gets even more, you know, frothy towards the end is when it just gets out of hand and it's way above what, you know, the long-term guys are supporting the price at. Um, so once that flips, um, the price... Um, the current supply shock, we, we deserve to be in the 50, 60,000 range. Um, once we break 42, um, I mean, that's the long-term sort of line in the sand of the channel we've been playing at. Um, and it's just really just a big gap from there to 50. 40, 42 to 50 is just a gap. So if we break 42, um, it's not going to be much time to get to 50. So, um, yeah. And what you uh, think we'll consolidate again around 50, 60 for a while? Yeah, I think we'll take a little bit more time to um, slice through. Like, I wouldn't expect us to slice right through, but anything can happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of expect that we'd would just um, retest some of that that zone in there because we spent so long playing around in that in that zone mm. of discovering fifty to sixty. Um, and then, wow, if we break all time high from um, from you know that what is that sixty four. Uh, what was it all time high? I can't even remember. Um, it was around 64, yeah. I mean, I got Yeah, the if we break that, then we'll be off to the races again. Um, and having done that with a very nice, long, kind of two to three month um, consolidation back down to test lows. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting um, kind of, uh, it, it's definitely one of these things I've never seen before on the blockchain, um, the, the, the Bitcoin price action where, you know, instead of a, like a, a dump, a wick down, rejects and it goes back up, um, the people dumping were just so um, capitalized that they dumped so many coins that the, um, you know, the, the people that buying the dump, which was the plebs, you know, everybody, took a while, like took two months to absorb it to the point that the supply shock um, um, has started now. Um, so, it was 64707 high on Coinbase. Uh, you know, I've got a number of personal theories that I just pull out of the air of why this might have happened. I mean, we did go up pretty quick. Uh, did we go up too quick based on some uh, a small number of very large buyers? You know, we have people buying billions or hundreds of millions. Is that something that happened? And are we seeing a, a, a lot more of like Wall Street and professional traders coming in who are buyers and sellers that don't really care about I'm, I'm sure not many of them are buying because they believe in freedom and freedom money. It's, they see an asset that they can speculate on. And I think we saw, I can't remember the name of that company, the British company, the gold, the specialist in gold. So they bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin. I think they sold all theirs now. Was it Ruffer? Um, yeah, Ruffer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they yeah. sold all theirs now. Yeah, they bought um, like 600 million and then um, it was they, they dumped. They dumped a bit and then I think they dumped the rest. Yeah, yeah, they dumped the citing um, the kids are going to be uh, no longer speculating on meme coins because, you know, COVID's coming to the end or something. Yeah, um, and so there's that. And, uh, you know, and then we've got, uh, we had a lot of FUD again, as we do every cycle. Uh, they're still going on. Thank you very much, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and we also, as even you mentioned, uh, 
possibly a lot of coins being sold in China. Maybe a lot of the miners were selling their coins off. We don't really know. But um, I mean, you ha- your point, I think I wrote it down. China is an urgent seller while the West are patient buyers. So it just felt like, I mean, I was never upset because I was like, come on, we're like, we were at 4,000 about a year ago. We dumped to 4,000 and we're at 30,000. What? The only The only reason to be unhappy is if, Okay, if you discovered Bitcoin two months ago and you bought it fifty, sixty thousand, okay, I get it. Well, you know, be patient. Or if you're just a trader and you've got wrecked, and I can imagine, I do, Willie. I imagine some people have got really fucking wrecked during uh, the recent dump. Yeah, there were like billions in liquidations on the on that like route downwards post Elon Musk. Um, there was, you know, it's, uh, you know, there was a lot of sell-off for months, you know, um, and and it was, it was like what mustard was he validated um, to many mainstream investors. A lot of, you know, he holds a lot of weight for being somewhat smart in in the stuff he knows, and um, you know, he's supposed to know about energy because he's got Tesla as as a company and. And he suddenly validates the stupid FUD that the mainstream press are being thrown at Bitcoin. And I can totally imagine if you're a um, you know, new investor that just decided to buy a million dollars of Bitcoin because you've got a family office worth $50, $100 million um, and you just had a quick two to three X. You, and Elon Musk says, yeah, yeah, this is like not good for the planet and you you. I could see them selling on on the authority of Elon Musk. They always tend to follow the narratives of people who are supposed to know what they're they're, they're doing, including hedge fund managers. Um, and then, you know, straight after that, we had the China ban, and and then we had um, the China ban for real. Is like was it sixty percent, forty to sixty percent of the network hash rate shut off, relocated? Um, so. Major tests for the network. We've never seen that much security, securing hash power, um, drop off the network, and that's twelve years. You know, the deepest difficulty adjustment downwards. The 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 uh, the network had to adjust, and that that adjustment was um, unseen before. It's never gone down that much. Um, so it it was a real um, test for Bitcoin. You know, and the price held with fifty percent drop, which is sounds a Sounds like horrific, right? But actually, um, people who've been in Bitcoin long enough know that that's nothing. We just saw that happen with um, COVID, right? Um, and then it happened like the year before, right? Um, with with uh, uh, the the bottom of the bear market. So you know, it's almost an annual thing. And here we've got, you know a very powerful nation state banning Bitcoin and half the network dropping off and it, it recovers quite well. So um, it's, I think it's ridiculously bullish. I mean, if you've been in a long time, you're going, you're rubbing your hands together. You're going, wow, this is an opportunity. I thought, you know, 50, 60,000 getting pretty expensive stack more. And um, yeah, it's for people who've got day jobs that are, you know, got an income stream or a bit of cash on the side. It's like, an absolute opportunity, um, and or if you're a leverage trader, that's going to be counter trading. Everybody saying it's going to go to twenty. Um, I think you can tell. I think you can tell a lot from the sentiment on crypto Twitter. Um, oh yeah, when have you ever seen everyone um, be right um, in the trade? It's it's never been the case. 
No, I, I just didn't buy it. Once everyone got bearish, I've been here long enough now to see when everyone's getting bearish and talking about getting jobs at McDonald's and changing their hat and calling for a price which you which would be which would be a unique price drop. Down to 20k from 64 would be a unique mid market price drop. I just didn't buy it. And the other thing I did is I was looking at the chart from 2013 and one of the things I was wondering in my mind, because the chart does look similar to 2013, where there was that kind of like mini bear market mid mid bull run. And I was wondering if the one of the issues was that during this bull market, everyone expected everything to be the same as 2017, and then lots of people trading and leverage trading based on that, and the market just couldn't support that price at that point, and that's why a lot of people got wiped out. Yeah, I think so. We've got this, you know, cycle imprint. Um, now people are now cycle imprinting 2013. Now that we've got this big um, dent in the in the bull market, I think everyone's now agreeing that it is still a bull market. Um, and um, now we're, we're cycling back to 2013. I I I I'm beginning to think. I think I talked about this last time. I'm beginning to think this is. Not going to happen. I'll be. I'm actually siding towards this being um, like unlike anything. I think we'll go past the end of this year, um, and fair amount of likelihood that it won't come into a full blown bear market like we saw in the prior cycles, and then um, people start talking about the extended cycle theory. <laughs> I think this thing's just. Um, going to do a crazy wander around demand and supply and that the halvening has less impact and um, maybe Michael Saylor's right there is no top it just keeps wandering and discovering Um, and you might call you might have things like we just experienced mini bear seasons um, and uh, just we'll have to see according to um, you know we can't we can't see what's happening so far ahead of ourselves we can't look you know next year or the year after um, and be very accurate so yeah deal with the data as it comes in man just uh, react to it as it does well listen i've got loads of questions for you as ever um one one before we get into like the meat of it is one of the important things for me is that like i care about bitcoin beyond just personal you know gains i actually care about what it can do for people like what's happening in el salvador you know we don't need to debate the details of that but also uh with remittances, that's been a growing uh, potential for people to use that to get more money in their pockets in countries that need it. Um, so I, I, I kind of care a lot about what Bitcoin can do. Um, so one of the things I'm really interested in is that are the coins becoming more distributed? Um, someone like Michael Saylor, you know, and, and even Elon Musk with the amounts they've bought, they create these little consolidations. But generally speaking, do you, are you finding that there is a whale concentration or are we seeing a wider distribution of coins oh this is this is great because this is what i've been researching the last um two to three weeks keeping off twitter trolls um you know (laughs) hiding in research um from the amount of bearish trolls out there the last (laughs) few months but um yeah i have I, i tweeted a little bit of it um and you know like a lot of the analysis you see uh particularly from twitter um is use really bad use of data and not understanding how the network um, actually behaves. Um, like they say, you know, the whales hold huge amounts and the whales are pumping and dumping and they're getting richer. Um, and um, so 
<clears throat> some of the things you have to do now, because the game's really quite sophisticated if you're going to do on-chain. Um, Glassnode do just a huge amount of data science and forensics to cluster all the addresses together to resolve to the tens of millions of individuals that they can see on the blockchain. And then we can then measure their balances, right? But then um, that data is given out if you subscribe to their premium platform um, so that you can have a look at it. And even that shows misleading um, visuals because now you have to figure out, okay, um, the whales. Well, the biggest whales I know, if you look at um, the blockchain, they're the exchanges that hold hundreds of thousands. And actually some of the exchanges only hold tens of thousands and some only hold thousands. And even one or two hold less than a thousand um, bitcoins in their in their hot and cold storage, um, which will just look like one whale. So we need to get all of their addresses labeled and backtraced and whatnot and then correct for that. And then you also have to correct for this new thing, which is um, Grayscale and Purpose um, ETF in Canada and 3IQ and these new ETFs coming in, they're stacking coins as, um, you know, as an uh, as, as a instrument that's being held by many, many people. So, um, you know, I do, did a lot of work getting all of that data, scraping the web and reading financial reports from Grayscale going back to, you know, 2013. And... Um, got their balances and now have corrected for Grayscale and all the ETS, all the exchanges, all the miners. And when you get all of that um, adjusted for, you get this picture, right? And the picture is whales are in a 10-year downtrend of holdings. They, they at the very peak, um, they held uh, 58%, near 60% of the network um, coins. And today they hold 26%, and it's just steady downwards. And it goes downwards steeper every bull run. So they take the opportunity to sell into every rally. Um, I think you would if you were worth 1,000 Bitcoins. Minimum is, what, $30 million? So these whales are probably, um, you know, 30, 100, multiple hundred million dollars, and they're diversifying out. Um, and, and actually... Um, there's not a lot of signal when you look at what whales are doing because um, they're just they're just selling out. Um, and then on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, you can look at the shrimps, you know, the less than one Bitcoin holders and the crabs, which is under 10. And they're, they're like growing consistently and smoothly. So if you were to look at um, the what I call the minnows, the people that hold less than 10 Bitcoins, they already now hold 13.7% of the network versus the whales that hold 26. So they hold kind of half what the whales hold, but that isn't the full picture, right? Because the exchanges also hold, the exchanges hold the coins for about 150 million people. So presumably most of retail hold coins, um, they prefer to hold their coins on, on exchanges. You know, you don't see very large high net worth individuals putting coins on on exchanges. Um, it's just not done because it's too risky. Um, but like if you add the coins exchanges have and what we see on chain, already that's equivalent to the whales. Um, and then you can count the ETS on top and it's above the whale. So there's a fair chance, 
you know, um, the small holders have more control of the network than the largest, the people with 1,000 Bitcoins and above. And the guys in the middle, sort of in the 10 to 1,000 Bitcoins, they're um, sort of sideways downwards. They're also losing their control to the small guys. Um, The interesting thing for this cycle is the 100 Bitcoin to 1,000 Bitcoin strata. And that's the um, kind of high net worth, in, net worth individuals and the smallish head funds. They they actually bought tons of Bitcoins and there's been an outlier bump. Um, and that bump started um, around um, <clears throat> $30,000 in January. It was, um, let me zoom in, I think, uh, yeah, okay. So that bump we saw um, with dolphins and sharks, 100 bitcoins upwards, um, but not the whales. That started to climb after Tesla started buying Bitcoin. Uh, it was very interesting. So it kind of it's interesting in that when Elon Musk threw FUD, um, there was a lot of selling as well. Um, but those guys didn't sell that much. They still hold a lot of supply. Um, but uh, overall, the trend is looking absolutely great. Um, I'm asking um, Raphael at Glassnode, um, CTO over there, to do a little bit of extra work in the counts of um, these different holders to get the populations. And if we can, if I can get that data, then I can do a, um, run this thing called Gini coefficient across Bitcoin across the last twelve years, which is cool. You know, that's a that's a wealth distribution. Um, that economists use in, inside an economy. So we can start to calculate that um, once I get that data. I think they're working on it now. So that'll be really interesting because from what I've seen, there's no other um, you know, coin network that's even close to this level of distribution. Um, yeah, I'm really, it's a really strong argument. Um, the distribution of Bitcoin is, um, you know, it's super important because if you control a lot of the asset then it ceases to be, um, you know, a, a decentralized network. Um, it can be pushed around by, like gold, you know. Gold gold failed um, because it was too centralized in holdings. Um, you know, the governments held it. They used it to back money. And then when those central entities lost um, control of their gold, mainly America, right, they lost control of the gold, and then they they decoupled us from the gold standard and now we've got fiat so stuff you know weird stuff can happen when you've got like large pockets of control of the coins um and so yeah bitcoin's like amazing right now what i'm seeing on on chain um pretty happening Next up, I talked to Willie more about the big short squeeze and what we saw this week. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing sponsors. Okay, let's kick off with sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they accept Bitcoin. Yes, they do. And with the Olympics now on, sportsbet.io has got you covered. They have prepared an amazing calendar for you where you can complete daily missions and get rewards in return. All you have to do is complete the mission of the day. Once done, you'll get a reward on the next day. It's pretty easy, right? Now, this is going to be running up until August the 8th and help you enjoy the Olympics just that little bit more. If you want to find out more, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. 
Next up, we have Exodus Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as you know, UX is super important to me. So when Exodus reached out, they said, Pete, we want to sponsor the show. I was like, well, okay, that's fine, but i got to play with this. So I did. Had a little play with the app, both on the desktop and the mobile, and you know what? They crushed it. That's why I'm happy to recommend it to you, my friends, and my family. Now, the Exodus desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application, and with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. Make sure you check it out yourself at exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. Also, we have Casa, the safest way for you to store your Bitcoin. Now, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps and phishing attacks, there are just too many ways for your Bitcoin to be lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. You see, with a Casa multi-sig wallet, you take custody of your Bitcoin, but only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets. And these are wallets you get to distribute into different locations, protecting you from a range of mistakes, errors and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more about this, you can reach me on DMs or Twitter or just drop me an email. I've been a customer for over a year and I'm happy to explain my experience to you. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. I was chatting to American Hoddle yesterday. I gave him a call um, Mm because me and him have a bet another bet uh, half a bitcoin on uh 300k over under he's so super bullish he's over and i'm under i'm feeling pretty confident i'm gonna win that bet but you never know end of the bull market frothy times when things go crazy and supply shocks uh and it's kind of funny enough it's kind of a bet i want to lose because yeah of, of course for me it'd be great if uh bitcoin uh reached like two, 280 and and then uh, ended because I win the bet. But but generally speaking, if we ever shoot three hundred, I like I'll be glad to lose that bet. It'd be one. Do you? Be uh, did you? What? What do you? You have to define the bit, like because uh, you can say into the bull market, but um, oh, it's uh, it's um, three hundred k under over midnight, thirty uh, first of December on Coinbase. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's good to do lots of these bits because whatever you bet, you can hedge it on the options market and make a profit no matter which way it settles. <laughs> yeah, we don't hedge though because we think it's a bit more fun not to hedge. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. But you don't have to tell the other person, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But I, want, I, I'm, I think me and him uh, are going to just keep making these stupid bets and he was laughing. He was like, I'm going to probably end up giving you like five Bitcoin over the next few years. I was like, if you keep making these bets, bets you will. So, but I'm it's, kind of like, it's always better, it's better to bet on the negative because, um, you know, if you lose the bet, you're always going to be like happy by either way. You're happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's- well, so I, I'm, uh, I was talking to my son about this. He was like, what, what's going to happen this year? Uh, I, I, I think I tell you who's pretty good at predictions is Pantera, and I think they've got it topping out about one fifteen, one twenty. I I do think a hundred will be some weird psychological battle because I think there's some people who might have who might be like, oh, if I sell ten Bitcoin, I'll have a million dollars, yada yada. I'll be a millionaire, and I think that for just a number of reasons will be a psychological battle. I could be wrong. We could just fly through it. I mean, remember ten k in two thousand seventeen? We flew through it. It's absolutely possible. I think that Pantera didn't they use the stock to flow ratio as their their prediction? Um, I don't know. I just got a chart in my email, but uh, I, I, I'm I'm thinking it's somewhere between one one fifty myself. I don't know if you're still thinking three hundred is possible, but I'm like one one fifty. 
Yeah, I like I have a, this model, right, which is the band in mm. which it, it floats with in the upper bound. And all the past cycles, we, we hit the upper bound before it, it ended. Um, but it, of course, it's a moving target. So, um, like, I have this great, um, I have this great situation where I don't have to be exactly right because it's it's a moving target. I can keep ju- adjusting it because it's just a model. Um, you know, the upper band today is one hundred sixty-two thousand dollars, and we just don't know which which trajectory. But it is the current trajectory is around. It's just, you know it's because of this this major pullback, um, and it, it does run on the historic averages of the price movements. Um, we're really well, you just got to text me when we're done. Just say, look, we're done. You know, we're at 200K. I was just thinking you got this bet, and if it was at the top of the bull market, I'm like going, yeah, that's contingent on a definition of the top of a bull market. If we just keep wandering upwards, like, you know, like Dan Howell's super cycle, Dan Howell's super cycle is really, I think, we skip a cycle and we just go to the next. Um, well, if that actually happens and we go to the next, there's not going to be a next cycle because the halvening don't need squat. Um, you know, like we're well, some, someone said to me that um, one of the first bear markets was kickstarted by Mount Gox, um, and that may have created a pattern for future years. Uh, and I don't know how much to read into that, but um, that was something that somebody said to me. Look, but I don't care either way. You know what? It just what will be will be. I would just love, personally, this whole four-year structure to break and things to become a little bit more, in some ways, I'm, I'm saying random, but a little bit more consistent as well. Yeah. Because it's just this four, it, if it becomes this predictable four-year, every four years, it, I don't I find it a little bit boring. You know, imagine a 50 years and the, you know, whatever it is, like um, the halvening goes from point, you know, um, zero, point zero, one zero. Bitcoin or like a block reward of point zero zero one Bitcoin to point zero 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 five Bitcoins. It doesn't mean squat to supply and demand on on the system. You're not going to get a supply shock, you know. It's really you're going to be like, you know, if, if Barry Silbert still controls like uh, maybe by then five um, percent of supply and he's chewing on his two percent um, per annum, the supply shock coming from him dumping on the market's going to pale. To um, you know the supply, um, you know dumped by miners, um, and so it just becomes demand and supply. Um, and like you know this, whether you know Mount Gox um, created this four-year cycle, um, you know if you look at how it has worked in the past, when the halvening happens, there's an impulse, a push, right? Because suddenly the supply, the constant supply and sell down on miners have. And so it's a push one way. So the cycles are from the push, not the bear market. It's in it's in this halvening where the the price just is wandering sideways, and then it starts to gather steam as as that collective push, you know, sort of works its way into the system. So we get a shove every four years at a particular time, and then it moves up. Where it tops, it's anyone's business. Uh, I think maybe he's right. Maybe Mount Gox was the cause of that top. Um, maybe 2017 was a top because um, that was the first um, major tax season. You know, people didn't really figure out paying taxes in 2013. But in December 2017, I just had a lot of friends going, 
oh man, we're going to pay taxes. Holy. And they had to sell a ton of their coins because they were flipping altcoins in that crazy 2017 um, era of, you know, hundreds of X if you got the right coins. Um, crazy, crappy Verge coin. Like people were making 100X over a few months. I know. And it was like, oh, well, I know someone who bought a house from their Verge coin. And then, like, uh, they paid more tax than their, um, you know, than they had left at the end of the bear season. So, so 2017 top probably was a tax top. Um, but, you know, who knows what the next top is? I don't think there is going to be um, a well-formed FOMO bubble top um, anymore. Like, I want to just do a little bit more research into it. I'm starting to get some of the data um, behind it. Like who are who are the sell pressure um, guys? Exchanges are especially derivative exchanges. ETF management fees are uh, miners are. We just have to get all of that together and then start to look at how those movements um, wander and how it compares to this four-year um, sort of halvening drop. And I I really think it, it's a minimal thing now. So um, things are it'll be really there. interesting to see. You know. Um, and so the uh, the grayscale lockup became a nothing burger. Yeah, it was like uh, we kind of had a, a week of a nothingness. Oh no, no, it did drop a little, right? We'd had a little bit of a scare downwards, and then um, and then we had this massive pump. Um, and I think was it the the date that I had I read somewhere on an article was seventeenth seventeenth of the month, which didn't sound right because it was a weekend, um, but. Um, you know, maybe the is it the nineteenth? That was the Monday or something. Um, do I have a calendar in front of me? Um, yeah, so seventeenth was a Saturday. So the twentieth to twenty third was the first operational week where you could actually get your shares, redeem your shares, sell on the market, um, and um, you know, like a lot of people saying, you know, that would result in billions of dollars of sell pressure. Um, is anything being sold is the shares even when the shares are sold Grayscale don't sell the Bitcoin right yeah they don't sell the Bitcoin um, but um, like if you've got so what you've got the whole you got the shares I think there was a um, I was trying to like JP Morgan translated that as actual sell pressure on the system and I'm just thinking that means you've got the shares. You've, yeah, I, I couldn't figure out how they could get to that. I saw a few analysts on um, Twitter saying you could do it through derivative markets. Um, and I worked through it and I was like, actually, the opposite is true because um, if you're in a really good, um, you know, what you call Cantango, where the futures market's at a premium above the spot. Um, the fashionable thing to do was do this cash and carry trade, right? So you you sell the futures and you buy the Bitcoin. Um, and so you sell the futures at 20% higher and you, you pocket that money. And then when that futures expires in six months' time, you've um, they, it settles at the price of the Bitcoin that you bought. So you made 20% on your US dollar cash. But uh, if you were to do this with Grayscale, you would... Um, Instead of like buying the Bitcoin, um, you would you would actually do another step. You would buy the Bitcoin, and then you would enter it into this grayscale um, scheme. And then you know, in six months' time, you'll get um, shares. But uh, you'll get like 
you're you're kind of betting on <clears throat> those shares now being worth a premium, and you've already got a premium on your futures, so you get a, a double dip, right? And what actually happened was these guys kind of missed out on their double dip because that premium on Grayscale went to a discount. So now you've got one winning bet, which is buying the futures at 20% above, and then you've got the Grayscale discount, um, which is you've made also a loss. Well, maybe it was a 10 or 15% loss. Um, you still would have needed out okay. Maybe you needed out um, near zero. Maybe you did a small loss, maybe a little bit high. Um, but essentially you netted it out and you, you ran a, um, essentially a, a carry trade over futures and um, – Grayscale ETF, which was, you know, double dipping. And, you know, if that was the the bet people were taking, then you'd sell your shares and then you'd um, buy back the futures if it hadn't expired. So what I expected was all this buy pressure from the futures as those guys exited their position and, and unhedged, essentially, if that makes sense. So there should have been a, a buy pressure because the – there's no sell pressure because Grayscale is not allowed to sell. They're, they're holding the bag of those Bitcoins. Yet the buy pressure, as they unhedge, is being affected on the market. So you get a bullish impulse. And I looked at it um, earlier today, um, and it wasn't that week that we talked of, um, which was the first week they could have done it, the 20 to 23rd um, of July. But... Um, it was like, let me just pull up that chart right now. It's It was near the end of that week where we had this huge run-up in futures um, buying. And so I don't know if that was, yeah, it was like uh, it was exactly that 23rd of July was um, this ridiculous amount of um, buying pressure on the futures. Um, yeah, on the Friday. So that, that could have been the effect because if you were to look at that under the te- technical lens, um, we haven't had um, a run-up of that amount of buying on futures. Just in terms of um, the premium on the futures, that that growth rate, we haven't seen that in like a long time, I think all of this year. So... Um, yeah, I think last time we saw it was in January. Um, so, like, <clears throat> it could have been that that unlock adding to the bullish um, price um, through the derivatives. Interesting. Well, so, so another thing I wanted to ask you about is you'll see on Twitter people will say things like the bears are in control or the bulls are in control. But I always wonder, will you, like, what does that actually mean? Like how is a bear in like how are bears in control? What what are they actually doing? Are they, the groups of people just trying to push down the price because they've got what leverage short positions and they're fighting against people who've got the opposite leverage long positions and they're whales and they're just basically buying or selling based on trying to beat each other. Is that is that what's actually going on? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a game. You know, it's a game. Like. Um... You know, I think I've said it in the show. I've said it. I say it a lot. I think of, um, I think of like the markets. You know, you know, if you're a trader on the market, most people are sitting um, watching this game. Let's call it a gridiron game, and you're you're betting on yards. And and um, <clears throat> most retail traders think that it's about predicting the price, and then like like you know, going, oh, this player's good that up against that formation. Then let's put a bet on it. 
Um, but the real traders are actually the players, and they're on the field, and they've got weight, and they've got weight, and they've got a lot of ammo. You know, they're, they're dealing, you know, with Bitcoin, they're dealing with tens or $100 million of capital. And then you can leverage that up. You might be able to leverage it up um, 5x or 10x. So now you, you can swing, um, you know, multiple $100 million um, order sizes on, on the order books. And, like, I could whack down, like, a, like a 500 Bitcoin buy order. And no one, um, you know, I've never seen many people take, take that out. Like, if you see someone saying, I'm going to buy 500 Bitcoins here, and you're, you're shorting it, you know you've got to you've got to sell five. You've got to have sell power to sell and take those bids. Um, and so most rational traders will just bug out. You know that it's like you know a little spaceship flying along, going oh, I'm going this direction. You see the Death Star coming up at you. You just bug out and you're not going to take it on. So are those bids just there to scare people off sometimes, and that you can yeah they're scare them? walls, right? We call it spoofing. Um, in traditional markets, they call it spoofing. It's being outlawed. Um, I think it still happens, but Bitcoin, it's a very much unregulated market. So in some terms, it's a fully free market, right? It's just rough and tumble games and everyone's got to deal with it. Um, and back in the day of BitMEX, when they had crazy leverage and you couldn't trust the water engine and all this weird stuff was happening with that exchange, um, that totally controlled the short-term price of Bitcoin. You know, it's the, you, the, the price of Bitcoin in the short term wasn't price discovery. It was a random walk to take out the most um, traders on BitMEX. Um, it would just go swerve in the direction to liquidate the most people. And, you know, now it's like, you know, we just closed the day um, at 40. And that was like a really good pin to 40,000 because that was – I think pretty much the target price that a lot of options traders had um, put a lot of open interest on. Um, so a lot of people were making bets at 40000 and the price went and hit it. Um, so, you know, there is sort of impacts where, like, um, how the markets work is, um, you know, options actually back onto futures and that impacts the, the buying and selling on futures markets. But there's also this kind of game where you can actually push price in a direction to, to make sure you win on the other instrument. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know if people think about that when they say bulls and bears in control. I think it's just a nice sort of thing that most people like to um, talk about and, you know, on squawk box or whatever they 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 say but um uh, yeah. yeah well listen i'd like to talk a little bit and just finish off on the, a little bit on the market structure some something you've said to me a couple of times is that bull markets are controlled by retail and uh i've read your most recent report which by the way i tell everyone every week but they should go and subscribe to and it will be in the show notes because uh it's i find it very useful and whilst you're not always right you're right a lot of the time uh enough for it to be something that i follow quite religiously um so you've got a chart in there and going back to when you're talking about the divergence previously but we're seeing a, a even during this kind of like drop in price we were seeing a almost parabolic growth in uh new users registered on exchanges um so can you talk about how that's tracked? Because, I mean, I don't understand it. Are you tracking wallets? Are you able to understand where those wallets are, where they're on exchanges? How does it actually work? So this is the work, the entity work that Glassnode do. So a lot of their um, 
their data. They're really good data. Is um, you know, it's the pricey data, um, but that that stuff there does um, they cluster forensically. So they look at all the address spaces, and then you look at the the flows of coins. You know, the UTXOs moving between addresses, and um, there's set patterns that happen. And you go that bunch of addresses is owned by one entity. You'll see, um, you know. A, under under certain um, clustering filters, which is proprietary to their their um, their company, you, they, they can determine individuals um, whether that's uh, they call it an entity because they don't say it's a person. It could be a hedge fund, you know. Um, so they can cluster that, and then they can count those clusters, and then um, you can get a growth rate on the network. You know, you can see oh, there's more clusters. You know, so entities essentially entities. Or participants, more participants coming in per per week, and actually, when we talk about user growth, it's actually it's user net growth. It's counting the new guys that have just appeared on the blockchain, and they're like that's a new person because it's completely new to to um, it's not an, it didn't go to an existing cluster, so that's new. And then you look at existing clusters, and you go, ah, that dude just emptied all their wallets and it's all zeroed. So that's one user lost out of the network because they no longer hold Bitcoin and new users coming in and you do the net balance of that per day and that is um, the net user growth. Um, hardly ever do you see the, the user growth go below zero per day. Usually it's, um, I think we're in the, what, 40, 50,000 um, new users per day zone. Wow. Maybe even higher. Um, and then you've got to multiply by three because there's a ratio of um, people signing up to exchanges like Coinbase who never withdraw. Um, they might, you know, maybe they install st- Strike and then they put like their funds straight in from their ACH account or whatever and they just hold it in their, their custodial wallet there and they don't, um, they don't either pull it on chain, right? So there's a lot of people that actually have exposure to Bitcoin. They might have it on Cash App, but they don't actually pull it to the on-chain wallet. So we never see that. There's um, there's a three to one ratio. So you multiply that number by three, roughly, and um, that's how many users. You can assume that the what we're seeing on-chain is a shadow of what the real numbers are doing on exchanges. So um, it could, it's millions a month. Yeah, totally. Um, it's like, yeah, it's millions per month. Uh, you know, with roughly 150 million users currently, um, doubles every year, rule of thumb, kind of like a Moore's law. Um, so, yeah, we've got like, we've got 300, 150 million people to come on board in the next year um, at current trajectory. Um, yeah, it's, it is a fast growing thing. It's kind of like we were talking about Elizabeth Warren before the show, I think. Uh, <laughs> and she was like, you know, really shitting on Bitcoin. And I'm like going, yeah, she might be able to get away with it this year Um, because, you know, depending on which survey you've got, like Gartner, is it Gartner? One of the the surveys Mm -hmm. said 6% of the American public have Bitcoin. Um, New York, um, what is it, New York uh, Dig, uh, Digital Investors Group or something. They they came with 20%. So depending on what. This thing doubles every year, so like next year it's going to be forty percent, or maybe twelve to forty percent, somewhere in that in that zone. So like wow. next year or the year after, any politicians that shitting on Bitcoin and saying this is just you know 
let's compare it to drugs. Let's compare it to money laundering. Like, and like half of the, the voting public, you know, understand Bitcoin enough to hold the asset themselves. That's just political suicide, right? So I can totally see that kind of era of shitting on Bitcoin gonna, um, by politicians are going to come to an end um, probably in the next two years. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, now is really the time you'll get the mass of that. You'll see it coming from, um, you know, the central bankers. Um, you'll see it from, you know, the, the, the politicians. I think now is the, the last kind of, zone where they can make this argument because Bitcoin itself is growing you know, at a pretty striking rate at a point where it is almost um, too big to just shut down with bad mouthing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we've seen that, Willie. We're, we're at $40,000 and we've had an unbelievable amount of FUD, way more FUD than we had in seventeen, and it feels way more coordinated this year as well. So, Yeah, I, I just don't I, think... I think it's like I think the public's smart now. We're so used to fake news and not believing anything the media says. Mm. All right, a couple more things before we go. Go just on the uh, short term on tra- on chain stuff. Can you explain dormance dormancy? Dormancy is um, <clears throat> it's a measure of like um, the coins that um, have moved on chain. You know the volume of it let's put a measure on um, how much age it carries. Like how how many years or days does um, the average coin being transacted between investors um, age in wallets? You know, it's kind of like the age on wine um, before that bottle ships to the next guy. And then once that goes to that new wallet, you start the timer again. So um, it's a qualitative view of the volume interacting between in- investors. Um so, like, if you have a day where the dormancy is very high, that means that all the coins carried a lot of age moving between investors that day. Um, <clears throat> that's a typical pattern you see because, you know, like I said earlier, whale dump, you know, you're an OG, you bought 1,000 Bitcoins when it was 10 bucks, and you tend to, like, divest slowly. So your coins hold more age. Um, and then when you see um, dormancy dip, that means that those guys have stopped selling because they don't sell dips. They only sell, they only sell into the strength. Um, you'll see the new guys that just bought their coins get freaked out and they'll dump and they'll, you'll see their coins move to another investor. And those are the noobs selling the fear. And so you'll see this pattern where dormancy drops and drops and drops and drops and then it creates a bottom. And that means that the noobs have exited. The, the new hands are being shaken out and um, and those guys are exhausted, and uh, and it recovers. So we see a dormancy sort of make a bottom. Wherever dormancy gets low, that's that's a very bullish sign. Um, wherever you see dormancy at a high, that's just the OGs dumping their rallies, and the noobs aren't selling. You know, they just bought, and they want you know this thing to go to the moon. So it's one of these indicators that David Poole and um, Reginald Smith, I think his name. He wrote a white paper on it. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um, it's an interesting lens onto, you know, the the the, the, the on chain data um, qualitative view. So we're feeling bullish then. 
<laughs> Your yeah, 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 we've made a lot on the film too. Yep, that's that's another one. These are real classical, you know. I think uh, those the classical stuff still works. Um, nowadays, we've got much more exciting stuff with entities. Um, see, very like a lot of the the stuff that was old kind of was working. It's not very accurate. It's a little bit um, blurry around the edges. Um, but you know, with the latest stuff with the entities. It's just sharp and clear. Um, you know, you can see coins moving in and out of exchanges. You can see whales selling. You can see the little guys buying. And um, we've had massive amounts of little guys buying lately. Um, they bought the COVID dip. They bought um, this two-month bottom. They're like little geniuses. The hodlers are out outdoing um, the so-called whale trader conspiracy. Um so yeah, I'm I'm kind of wrapped with what I'm seeing on the chain. The little guys are really nailing it. Um, well, that's what we want anyway. We talked about that distribution. We want that anyway. So, well, awesome, yeah, man. Well, good. listen, I'm uh, excited for the next few months to see what happens. Uh, where are we? We're coming to the end of the month, so July. Yeah, it's funny. My um my downloads are always a lagging indicator. So uh, if you look, I broke through a million three months ago. This month has been really, really dry. Like I've had some shows, which generally smaller shows, but like I can tell. Uh, and uh, I've had a probably about a 20% dip this month on the last three months. And I think it's just people like, ugh, Bitcoin's boring. I don't want to listen to a show about Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm going to ignore it. Did you ever get a like a lag, a leading indicator on that? That would be interesting. Like no, the, it's always you know, it's always lagging. So if I look at my chart here, if I go back to the start of the year and run it, and I look monthly, I mean my. So actually, if I go back another year, right? Let me run that. So I'm pretty. So I'm flat from March to April. A slight rise during July, right? Uh, uh, up to October, back down to November. My like big push up is basically from November to May. So if I uh, then go yeah. and look at the BTC, the BTC chart, um, you the the big push up went from October uh, and all the way till kind of mid April. Um, but I started. I'm about um, my mine tends to work about a month behind. Because uh, we essentially were, what, February, March, April in that kind of like 50K range. So you've got to think from October to February is where we had the big push up from like 10 to 57. And then if you look, mine's like November to, what's that, May, I've gone from like, 300,000 to over a million, but I've sat around a million for three months and I've dropped down. So I, mine's about a one month behind, interestingly. Right, yeah. It's almost like uh, the price action leads to interest, eh? I mean, like it's not necessarily any um, reflection of the amount of um, new users coming on board. I'm seeing that, that coming in, but maybe just the sheer amount of everybody tuning in to listen to the next you know, happenings because price is making new headlines. Um, well, yeah, they're, they're almost certainly uh, new. You, there's a lot, a lot of new listeners almost certainly because I can tell by the emails as well. Because I, during the like, uh, 
when we were really flying up to like 50k i was getting 30 to 40 emails a day from listeners now i'm down to about five so there's all these different indicators but they're always lagging <laughs> it's always like, are you seeing fact. much from el salvador because i'm kind of wondering because i've never it's like uh, there's a lot of little guys and they're stacking like they've never been before and i'm just wondering if this is the imprint of a nation state onboarding you know what i can look by country um let me have a look. That's Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala. This is like, uh, what, 6 million people roughly? Um, yeah. There must be millions on boarding right now. And we're seeing, um, we must be seeing, that might be what I'm seeing on chain with the amount of new users hockey sticking. Um, no, I'm not seeing a massive amount from El Salvador. I did, I did um, after the president interview. It was the number one investing podcast in El Salvador, but I'm not seeing a massive amount increase there. Mine always tend to come from the US. Okay, yeah, I'd love to see IP addresses and location information on this data. I'll send you, um, I'll send you my data at some point. You can have a look through and see if there's anything in there for that's helpful, man. Well, listen, Willie, great to talk to you, man. Uh, well, we'll see where we are next month. I think uh, every chance will be uh, over 50K, maybe even 60. Mm, Who knows? Maybe. Let's find out. All right. Great Happy to, times, man. Yep. Great to chat. We'll catch you next time. Catch you next time, dude. Okay. So what did you make of that one? You know what? I was pretty bullish approaching this conversation with Willie, and I'm even more bullish again now. It felt really weird when we were staying around 30k for so long with all the bullish fundamentals, but when you think about it, it kind of makes sense now. Felt like an accumulation period, and it seems like the bears can only have their fun for so long before reality sets in and the market snaps back into bull mode. Now, I found it really interesting that we are seeing lots of coins get distributed to smaller players. You know, I actually really like that as well. I'm really glad that's happening. I also love Willie's point about how new users seem to be doubling and could be half the US population in a few years. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that one. If you've got any questions, you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com or just jump into my Telegram group. Also, if you want to support the show, it's very easy. Just go up to Apple Podcasts. Go and leave me a review. Just a five star. I know you love the show. Come on, go and do that. Do that for your boy Pete. Anyway, I'm going to leave now. I'm off to Ireland. Going to see Papa Smurf. Can't wait to see him. It's been so long. Give a big hug. Can't believe it. 18 months. Anyway, love you all. Have a great weekend, and I will see you all next week. 